Yeah. It's a lot of time. With a lot of time. My uncle's a Gideon. Very good Gideon, I believe. Not, they were not good Gideons or not Gideons. Like anyway, it's 11 o'clock. <laughs> uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, great to see you. My name's Alex, uh, as many of you will know. And Jessica, you are here again. Yeah. Uh, this is your podcast now. You right? I've just taken over. <laughs> yeah, I was only supposed to guest for three weeks, and now it's turned into four because Aaron's not here. Yeah, yeah. but you could have just joined us anyway, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah Aaron is somewhere stuck in North Carolina. Um, to our knowledge, yeah. Yeah, to our <laughs> knowledge. If you could be stuck in any state, how high on the list would North Carolina be? I've, I've only been to the Outer Banks. Oh, North Carolina's not bad. It's not bad. It's nice. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I've only been to like two cities, but they were yeah. perfectly fine. I went so. to the Outer Banks. That was a pretty cool place. We went, we went uh, what's the word, uh, hang gliding in oh, the nice. Outer Banks. Yeah. I have been stuck in an airport in South Carolina for six hours, so. Shocked. I, no, well, Charlotte's in North oh, Carolina. Charlotte's no, we were in the Charleston airport because okay. we had a mechanical malfunction on our flight. So, yeah, it was one of those, like, the pilot got on and said, I'm not confident we're going to make it to Denver if we don't fix this. So wow. we're going to get everyone off and yeah, and, see and what the airline will do. appreciate him, you know. Yeah, it was one of those, like, okay, well, yeah, if, if, that's, if that's the case. If the choice is we fix this or, like, crash in Tennessee or something. Yes, like, totally. Yeah, let's fix the plane. Tennessee would be low on my list of states to crash in. But I don't have really I, I would rather not crash in any state. <laughs> so I feel like I've flown a lot comparatively. And all of my, I mean, and I guess this is a good thing. All of my flights have been fairly boring. Mm-hmm. I, 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 right after I'd met Laura and had this like this moment, I was like, okay, this is the girl I'm going to marry. Like it was one of those like really like, you know, Thunderbolt feeling ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to get back from Bulgaria through Berlin to london or birmingham uh, and there was this crazy thunderstorm so landing in berlin it was one of those ones where literally it feels like the the pilot was was he was landing in thousand foot increments so oh, he would just drop the plane hold drop the plane oh my gosh <laughs> it just really felt like yeah um but that's about as interesting as it's been i've not had no mis- mechanical uh failures or anything on the flight back from england Someone did have a bag fall out of the... You know, they always warn you about those containers. Yeah, yeah. Um, Someone had a bag fall out of It fell out of them, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I feel like I've never seen it. I always thought it was like the warning that swans can break your arm and stuff like that. <laughs> never actually happened. <laughs> In theory, this could happen, Yeah, but yeah. Like, no but one's ever seen it. Exactly. I've seen it happen now. All right. So take your overhead baggage seriously. <laughs> yeah. In the future. But, but this isn't why we're, we're gathering, gathering today, of course. Um, so we are in this series called Ordinary Time, mm. um, and you had preached the week before. Yep. Um, and, and so like, I think what's interesting about this, this series is it, it feels like most of the series we do at South, um, sometimes it's a whole book of the Bible. Sometimes it's chunks of the, of one book of the Bible, or maybe different select passages because there's lots of books to go through in a whole series would take. Yeah. like jeremiah we did that right, right. Or, or it's very thematic mm-hmm. so it drops into different places in scripture but around the same theme right this series to me feels the most like wild swinging series yeah yeah um i, I mean i guess the overall idea of it's disjointed helps the disjointedness yeah i mean that was kind of part yeah. of the point to my understanding like yeah. not being in the sermon planning meetings but um 
the idea that if you're traveling for two weeks or whatever totally summer things happen yes which we understand yeah yeah, happen, yeah um it's not like you came back to church and well if you haven't been here for the last four weeks like you're out of Absolutely. luck you still have to guess yes. what we've been talking about yeah it was it was easy to join right back in it, it, yeah, with it, everyone it, else it, that's the, the theory time. yeah but yeah. but it's so like for the f- I think that's probably really healthy for the the community for for the people preaching it. It probably has a little bit more of a swing. Yeah, and and, the, and it kind of feels like we've all needed to do the same setup every time. Yes, because it's there's no other thread. Absolutely. Of, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I and I had this moment this week for the sermon coming up, where I was just catching up with sermons from when I was away. Mm-hmm. And because we're now like for six weeks, lectionary people, um, I'd already planned which passages of the lectionary I would pick, not really thinking about where we'd been at other points, other than that I'd done Jeremiah pretty recently. Right. So that was in the yeah. back of my mind. Yeah. Um, and I happened to listen to Kevin Butcher's sermon. I don't know if you were here for that. Oh, week. yeah. It was wonderful. Oh, it was wonderful. It was yeah. Romans chapter eight. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm doing the same passage this week. So I've got like all of this section on um you know the 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 moment in verse 15 where paul says god has not given you a spirit of 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 to return to fear but um a spirit by which we cry abba father mm-hmm. and so i'm writing about that and and then i listened to kevin's sermon last night i was like huh kind of covered this kind of covered this really well kind of covered yeah. this better than i feel like i cover it <laughs> well but one of the beautiful things about scripture and even the same passage of scripture like there are always so many angles that you can take uh-huh. and like you're not just preaching that one verse right you're like you're preaching the section that's part of the verse so yes. that's a bigger a bigger picture to, to the whole thing yeah um and it seems like there could be multiple pa- pa- scripture multiple sermons out of the same passage of scripture that are going to be the right sermon at the right time I at different times. So different people in so, different days yeah. that need to, uh, and we'll hear it different from different voices. Right. But and like I talked about it last week, uh-huh. I was going one direction with my sermon on Matthew eleven twenty five through yeah. 30 and felt like God was pushing me to go a different direction uh-huh. that I had initially kind of resisted. Yeah. But there is another sermon where you talk about the initial direction that it was going with and like n- neither of them are going to cancel out the other or like make one interpretation wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just you're yeah. focusing on different aspects. And if you've never, if you're listening, you've never preached before. Here's the, the like the look into, I think, the the dark world of a, of a pre- as at least I find the dark world of preaching. I do think there is this like belief that everybody remembers everything that you say and like pays attention to everything you say, or at least like this dream. Uh, And so, so like you can almost imagine like a whole, like, you know, uh, for our average of like 350 adults or whatever, 400 adults, like all, all saying like, Oh wait, someone preached this passage six weeks ago. Uh, And then actually the crush, the crushing reality of, most people don't remember the passage I preached a week ago, let alone someone else six weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I think 
what I can remember is when the, a preacher uses like, oh, this is like the fourth time I think I've heard them tell this story. Or, oh, they tend to have like that same kind of phrase that they use every time. Absolutely. That's what people remember. Yeah. Not like the actual big idea of your sermon that yeah. you worked really hard to put That's, together. <laughs> which is a shame, isn't it, really? Like, I, I grew up with a pastor who is still a friend, but he he's like repeated. He was, uh, he sold... He worked with professional football players or soccer players mm. in England uh, before becoming a pastor or even while he was a pastor. Uh, and so his regular phrase was like, uh, I was in football for 21 years. I was in football for 21 <laughs> years. I was, and, and I could probably guess he probably said this. I must have heard him say it 500 times. Um, so, so the new people would all be like, ooh. This is interesting. Like that's really cool. Yeah, and anyone who'd more. been there for more than like, a couple of years would be like, "Oh, yes, we know." Oh, were you in football for twenty-one <laughs> years? I had no idea. Uh, and then, of course, you have the burden of preaching then every week, and realize that you're dealing with a community, some of whom are brand new and just mm -hmm. getting to know you. Some of her, you know. So, so my equivalent might be: I met my wife in Bulgaria or something like that, and uh, and you realize for a whole bunch of people, it's like, "Yes, we know." Um, and, and it's a little bit hard to escape. But yeah, I'm, sh I'm sure your weird little mannerisms um, that everyone has, um, they, they either are endearing after a while. I, I, we, I worked with a pastor who used to do something with his, his elbow, his cuffs of his elbows, and, okay. and I'd never noticed it. But my, my wife was always like, he does that all the time. I never knew, and now I do. It's going to drive me nuts. Um, so... I think we're we're there to to try and give grace to the people preaching because it's not actually super easy. Yeah, we say as two people that preach um, and need the grace. Yeah. Uh, so so this so week, Romans. yeah. <laughs> so I had Romans chapter eight this week and said I was going to spend three weeks on it. Um, and um, so how like just like on a on a like a, a higher level. Romans, how do you feel about it as a text? Because I feel like there's like a lot of people that like I love Romans. Right. Like if if they could only save one book of the Bible, like Yeah, it Romans, would be Romans would be the text. Yeah. Yeah. And then I come across a few people who are a little bit more like ah, Romans is a book I could lose. Um how, where, where, do you have a do you have a stance? I mean, I enjoy it. Romans Romans eight is one of my favorite passages uh -huh. in like all of scripture. Um I mean, some pieces can feel a little complex, yeah, for sure. But it's worth wrestling with. I I wouldn't say it's my favorite book in all of scripture. Uh -huh. I enjoy it a lot, but it's also not like a oh my gosh, like God, why did you include this one? Yeah, like, well, I think well, what I feel about it is that so, so it does. Feel, I, I can understand why people have gravitated to it as Paul's most complete letter. Mm -hmm. Because it's written to this church he hasn't ever met in person, which right. is, I think, unique in the Pauline letters. I, I can't think, so. think of another letter that he writes to some a church he's never met before. Uh, and so it really like feels like it tries to give the whole picture. picture. Yeah. But but then but then because it's trying to do that, it feels like there's the, the some places where you read Paul and it feels like he's going back to churches that he's given that whole complete picture to in person. Yeah. The history. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and, and in those, he's like, Oh no, no, no. You really didn't understand that quite as well as I'd hoped. Like, yeah. Make sure that you, you remember this as well. 
So, so you kind of like getting some of those clarifications that, that I don't want to say tone down Paul a little bit, but to me, they make him more endearing. Hmm. And, and to me, they, they, they sort of pull back to the, to the basics. I remember N.T. Wright saying once, I wonder what the church would have looked like in the West if Ephesians, not Romans, had hmm. been like the, the letter that we landed on interesting because because there you've got like paul saying like you know above all things my hope is that and my prayer for you is that you would know how high and how wide and how deep god's love is that you would grasp it even though it's beyond understanding Mm -hmm. Uh, and he really almost feels like he pulls them back to what is central Mm -hmm. um in in this really pastoral and endearing way romans feels like a little bit more like he's like Okay, I've got to give him this complete picture. And it's going to take a long time. Right. And it's going to hit hard. Yeah. Which, I don't know. I I don't really love the way that people sometimes will t- pit Paul against Paul. Like, <laughs> well, um, but it's so easy to do. It's, it's very easy to do. I'm sure, you know, Paul sometimes makes it easy to do. But like... There are certain letters like Philippians. Everyone loves Philippians. He's talking about joy and loving each other and yeah. like the beauty of community. And, and it like, seems like the the church in Philippi does nothing wrong as well. Right, so he's like, like they're doing really go great. you, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. They're like his his favorite people and are is overflowing with love for and <laughs> which is wonderful. But like that's an easy piece of scripture to wrestle with. There are hard verses in Philippians yeah. that still challenge us, like. Yeah. Living in a way that the Philippians lived and he was calling them to continue mm-hmm. doing, like, that, that's a challenging thing to do. But they were doing it. And he's but like, they were doing it. And go. then there are other things like Galatians or uh-huh. <laughs> pieces of Corinthians that aren't First Corinthians chapter 13 and yeah. pieces of Romans. Like, those do require a little more thought and mm-hmm. willingness to view the options that may or may not dive with your particular theological facts um but like there are still those beautiful pieces of romance like it it builds to this beautiful like meditation on god's love that you're preaching on Mm -hmm. and when we get to chapter 12 like he set this whole argument of like this happened this Mm. is how much god loves us what he's done for us like what life can look like Mm -hmm. following him obeying him living in that love in that freedom yes and now in light of this be transformed by the renewing of your minds and this is what life can look like Uh together as we do it together like that's not actually that different from what he's saying in Ephesians. it's probably right in the picture that he's painting yeah yeah it's it's yeah there's there's definitely it's there and i think that one of the, the 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 challenges when you go to seminary and for those of you that have wrestled with how the Bible was put together is mm-hmm. the constant conversation of, well, did Paul really write this? Which is almost the extension of pitting Paul against Paul. Like right, people, yeah. people look at different passages and they'll be like, well, it doesn't sound like Paul. And yet any of us that have ever written letters or, or papers mm-hmm. know that there's, there's these huge changes at different points, even over a couple of years. Right. Like if you're writing an essay that you're going to submit for like serious consideration, uh-huh. That's different than like sending a text message to your totally. friend or sending an email to yes. someone that you've known for 
15 years and like you have your own shorthand of things uh-huh. and history and conversations that you've already had that it's building on like yeah that's gonna be a huge difference totally. in tone yeah, yeah. Did you, did you, I mean, I don't know how you were as a student, but you are very conscientious. So I imagine you've been oh, a conscientious yeah. student. Yeah. So, so maybe, yeah. but I, I at one point made the mistake of going back and reading my first year papers <laughs> and, and our first year was, there was no pass or fail on first year. Mm-hmm. There was pass or fail on second year, but all of your grade eventually relied on third year. Um, and so I went back and read some of the papers I wrote in first year when I'd not done any work. Mm-hmm. And would get to the end of term and have five papers to write in three days. Oh gosh! And and we read some of the things I wrote, and and be like, oh my goodness, like what was I? <laughs> what was that? And this is just yeah. two years. Um, I mean, even as a conscientious student, there is still some of those like <laughs> a semester in seminary where you have four classes, a final for every class. Yeah a major paper for every class all due within three weeks. Like that mm-hmm. last paper, it was midnight. I'm just throwing words on a page. I can yeah. put this in and not fail. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows what I'm actually saying at this absolutely. point. Absolutely. So I, th- I think there's just, even with ourselves, we see there's a difference between what you write, even over a couple of years based on tiredness. And, mm-hmm. and Paul, like we have these letters that he wrote, but, but who knows how many other letters there are that didn't survive, how many letters to churches. We know right. that at least there's some others because occasionally he'll say, hey, get the letter yeah. that I wrote to so-and-so. Yeah. Um, but how many personal letters, how many pieces of correspondence that just got lost somewhere. Yeah. Um, to expect that everything matches everything else is, is a bit of a, to, always to me has been a bit of a bizarre debate. Yeah. Um, and yet we have these letters and Romans is this one that, that feels like it's the most complete in terms of he's outlining the whole of God's plan mm. and um, and he's pretty extensive. Uh, and then the the specific part that that we're on this week, this Romans chapter eight part, landing like with this this therefore like and having to go back over everything that he's already said. Actually, preaching wise was a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, um, and I felt lucky to have another two weeks to kind of catch up on some of the space that I'd, uh, mm-hmm. I kind of wasted. Yeah. Um, but, but it, it really like, I mean, it feels like it boils down pretty comfortably to God in his grace has done this. Mm-hmm. And now it's been outworked through the spirit in our lives. Yeah. Um, and, and so grace, like uh, I'm trying to remember who was it? Maybe I, I think there was this, um, so someone once gave like a, uh, a, a, not a proverb, maybe necessarily, but this thought about humor, that humor was this thing that if you dissected it too much, you killed it in the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, like it's, if you have to explain a joke, like it's not exactly it's that. It's not right? really going to be that funny. It's not going to be that funny anymore. Yeah. Um, and some, I think Philip Yancey took that and turned it, uh, and, and placed it around the subject of grace mm-hmm. and he said like grace explained is okay mm-hmm. but grace conveyed by some other method by perhaps a story or something like that that's where it really hits home mm-hmm. um so for you like when you think about grace where where would you remember like first capturing hold of like the sense that it's not just the, the, the academic problem of what does grace mean and, and for you personally, like 
where did it first hit home? Hmm. That's a great question. It would have been great if we had circled out to do yeah. this <laughs> Um So I often find like for me it's stories. Yeah. yeah. You and you shared yeah, the so, piece. Yeah. I mean, I can remember I don't know if this is the moment, but mm-hmm. a moment. Um, I can remember reading Chronicles of Narnia Mm. for the first time. Yeah. And seeing those pieces, like obviously Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Uh very, very clear analogy of like the Jesus story, Mm -hmm. um, death and resurrection and what that means. Yes. um, Like the, the fact that Aslan is willingly going to Uh his, death for someone who is actively betrayed yeah like, not just people that he has no connection to but his family yeah. for his own selfish reasons um that was a pretty clear picture and i think as i've gotten older and walked farther into the christian life mm-hmm. and when i was in fifth grade um the stories change uh-huh. as you have the same story like same ch- yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um and like i still love lion the witch in the wardrobe but other books i found through the years will have different resonances uh-huh. at different times yeah. like now my favorite's the silver chair huh um which is like i remember reading it the first day it was like okay like not not as exciting yeah. as some of the other ones yeah um but the premise is two kids for, you know, from our world are brought into Narnia. One of them's been there before, one of them hasn't. Um, and end up on this quest to save this prince, mm-hmm. essentially. But it's a picture of one that j- there is no other way besides Jesus. Yeah. Um, there's a scene where the girl who's blown into Narnia um, is so thirsty. She's mm-hmm. by herself. Oh, yeah. That's right at the end, right? Uh, that's right at the beginning. Right at the beginning. Um, yeah, sorry, right at the beginning. She All she wants is a drink of water, and all of a sudden she hears the sound of rushing uh-huh. water. Yeah. So she finds this stream, but in front of the stream, blocking her path, there's no way she can get around. This is this huge lion, which if you've you know read, read the, the other, other stories, books, you know it's Aslan. trying to know who that is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and she just stands there for a long time trying to figure out, like, okay, is there any other way that I can get to this water and not die of thirst, uh-huh. but, like, not be killed by this lion? Yeah. And there's not. So eventually she asks him to to move. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't get to the water without going through me. Um so and eventually just, she has to break th- it. Yeah. yeah. And she throws in the question, doesn't she? Like, almost like I'm worried you're going to eat me or something yeah, like that. Like, like, yeah, like, yeah, I've swallowed up kings and emperors <laughs> such and a great nations quote. and boys yeah. and girls, but but there's no other way. Um, so she does it. And then after doing that, is able to 
talk to Aslan and yeah. have this instruction for what to do next. Not uh-huh. even like what everything will look like, but just look for these three signs, essentially. Yeah. And as they go on their journey, they start off really strong, mm-hmm. repeating these signs like yeah, every night. They have absolutely. them down. They're looking, looking, looking. And then as things get harder and more difficult, they lose track of them. They forget. They make mistakes that put them into danger uh-huh. because they forgot to look for the signs or exactly what they were. Yeah. And like, what does that look like? Um, But the thread all the way through is what does it look like to continue in discipleship? Brilliant. Without yes. knowing exactly all of the time that God is with you, mm-hmm. just having to believe, still screwing up. Yeah. But having to believe that, like, he is with you, he is for you, mm-hmm. he will see you through. Yeah. Um, and, you know, doing your best to, like, you know, not keep screwing up. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, just the the changing resonance yeah. of those different books I, have, I think have that, been a good picture. That, of that yeah, that, I think that is, that's definitely been true for me. I mean, though, though, so Lewis and his world that he creates... I remember first encountering it and thinking, this is great. And I remember seeing the story in it. Um, and and I, I guess I maybe touched on this on on, um, on Sunday a touch, like seeing the story. And I remember even having a conversation with, with my mom saying, like, oh, like, think about, like, the, the Narnia story. Like, Aslan's like Jesus and, like, Peter's like so-and-so. And, and and my mom be like, I think you're reading a bit too much into it. I'm like, I don't think I am, actually. Like, I think, <laughs> no, like, it's like... You're sure you're not. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's almost allegorical. Like, it's like... like um, but but interestingly, reflecting back on it and, 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 and feeling I was like Peter. Hmm. Like, I was... Oh, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was, like, the good kid. Like, yeah. I was the, like... Yeah, and my, my brother would get into trouble way more than I would, and he was hung, uh, younger, and so... I was like, oh, and he's Edmund. And it wasn't until coming back... So, so I saw the picture of Grace in it, mm. but but almost, like, for other people. Yeah. Um, At least it hadn't really captured me. And then coming... I actually remember reading it to my sister, who's 10 years younger, uh, when I was probably... 17 18 and just reading it and just having like tears pouring down my face as i read uh the edmund story the you know and 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 there is this beautiful moment for those of you that that don't know the story where um aslan and the white witch are having this conversation around like you know him being a traitor Mm-hmm. and what's going to happen and all those different things and it it simply says something like you know edmund just didn't take his eyes off aslan like he just looks and he knows mm-hmm. it's going to be okay yeah and it was just this beautiful picture of like what it is to to surrender all of your own mess and, and know that well that's not on me anymore um so the, this you're right they're, they're almost stories that's that keep on giving um and you know, the, in in literature, there's these constant conversations about Tolkien or Lewis, and I actually love both of them. Yeah, it, it, for you different don't reasons. Have to you don't have to choose. Yeah. But but I I love the like the the little bit of drama behind all of the stories, uh, and and just says something about C.S. Lewis's character that Tolkien specifically told this group that you can't have ordinary things in fairy tales. Lampposts don't belong in fairy <laughs> tales. <laughs> And C.S. Lewis essentially says, oh, I'll show you how, and writes a story that begins with a wardrobe and a lamppost, mm-hmm. which just seems like exactly the sort of thing that C.S. Lewis would do. Um, 
So, so for like for for me, like when I, whenever I'm preaching on a passage like that, I feel like is a grace passage. Part part of the challenge is like, yeah, how do you not just dissect the frog? Mm-hmm. How do you actually get people to walk out feeling like? I don't know what happened, but I feel like I came into contact with God's grace in a new way mm-hmm. and feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm refreshed by it because I actually think it's surprisingly easy to miss at times or so surprisingly oh, yeah. easy to forget at times just exactly what it means. Yeah. Um, so like in, in, in your own like devotional life and stuff, how do you go about reminding yourself of God's goodness? Like, do you have practices or anything that you use to? to do that um you know in the last month or so it's been psalm 23 Uh uh-huh i'm repeating that to myself Mm -hmm. um and one of the things that sparked that actually i found these um they're called baby believer board books (laughs) they're wonderful um and i have bought a couple for my daughter who's a toddler but it's like like one of them is a um body part primer like Uh this is your head and talk about like you know, the things that Jesus has healed in uh-huh. the Bible. So it's an introduction to scripture, theology, or it. Christian belief, but also like helping them learn things. So there's one on Psalm 23 that's a colors primer. So like the the Lord is my shepherd, it's like all brown. Uh-huh. Like the the earthiness of being a shepherd. Like yeah. He makes me lie down in green pastures is green. And the illustrations are just beautiful mm. and peaceful. Um and calming like he yeah. leaves me beside still waters he restores my soul like the picture itself is just a very like calming comforting mm-hmm. and reading that book to her and then meditating on psalm 23 has been a good reminder mm. like okay like this is a clear picture of god's heart yeah. for me yeah. that i would walk with him in obedience but also not just like obedience for obedience's sake uh-huh. because he's God and I'm a broken fallen sinful human and yeah. like that's what I owe um but because he actually has this great overwhelming overflowing love mm. that he wants to share yeah. and wants me to experience yes oh. I love that and I think that I love the, the the maybe it's correlation but this is something you're actually trying to invite your daughter into yeah and actually at the same time god uses it because i think there is this i i'd never want to say you can't understand god's love without having kids because there are people that you meet that haven't had kids that hasn't been their journey out of choice out of just life situation that seem to grasp god's love better than i do oh absolutely i i would say for me i didn't understand god's love until i had kids like for me, it was this awakening thing of like seeing this. Sm- and I remember the first time I, Elena was sick and she mm-hmm. was maybe six months old. She picked up some bug and she's lying in the, the crib trying to, trying to breathe properly. And, and I'm just sat by her, just keeping an eye on her and, and just had this sudden like realization. There is no sickness that you could go through that I wouldn't happily take from you. There is no bad experience that I wouldn't happily take from you. Uh, full awareness that I can't, but I, if it was a choice, mm-hmm. I would happily do that. 
And it just being this sudden moment of like, oh, I've never felt that way about anyone before. Yeah. Um, despite loving my siblings, despite loving my parents, like I was always the center, I think. Um, and, and then suddenly seeing this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would take it happily. Um, and knowing that's a pointer towards the cross and, and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there is this beautiful way that you, you try and bring up your kids to ca- be captivated by this story and find that it's actually captivating you again in the midst of it. Cause, cause now in a new way you understand it. Yeah. Um, which is beautiful. Um, so, so to, to go back to Romans eight, like there is this, this, it begins with this picture of, of, um, no condemnation. Um, have you found like you, how do you wrestle with that? Because I, I think one, you're a working mother uh-huh. that has its own stuff. Oh yeah. I've talked you know? about my own condemnation of myself on this podcast. Before. Yeah, you have. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, We've talked about a lot on this yeah. podcast. I guess you probably I have. Yeah. 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 I mean, it definitely like, that's got to be a constant ongoing conversation as it is for me, I think really, but, but maybe a little different. Yeah. I mean, I think you said on Sunday that like it's easy to read that and go, okay, yeah, eternal sense, mm-hmm. totally on board. Hallelujah. Like no, no yeah. problem with that concept. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to like the everyday, like you're, you're more than happy to condemn yourself and other people. For <laughs> oh yeah. I can, yeah. Like, um, and there's a diff, there's a difference, right? There's ha- there has to be between real remorse and repentance when you have uh-huh. done something wrong uh-huh. and condemnation. Um, like you know, there's there's always a balance of moderation, yeah. right? Of like, yeah, understanding your your freedom and also like the consequences of your own sin and that we still live in a broken fallen world and aren't going to screw up mm-hmm. and sometimes hurt other people. I, I mean, therapy. Yeah. <laughs> like honest, honestly, yeah, no, I um, agree. That's helped. I think being able to have the realization of, It's not bad to want to do the right thing mm-hmm. and handle situations in the in the right way, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Say the right thing, um, you know. Provide provide the best life for my child. That's not going to like screw her up in whatever <laughs> way. Um, which is none of that's actually possible to do. I, I don't think it is. I think you're right. Yeah, like. I, I don't think you could be totally sanctified on the side of eternity and like totally like get everything. Absolutely. Correct and and the, the yeah, that has been a theological yeah. conversation at points, right? There's been crowds of people that have said, no, you can get to this. But right. I, I and in fact, you should strive and like, you know, get to perfection. Yeah. I think, I think Charles, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher has this like, like this great conversation with a guy who comes to him and says, well, you know, I, as a follower of Wesley, like in his theology, I have got to this point of, of like, um, he used to call it like, was it sinless perfection or something like that? Where it's like, I don't sin anymore. Yeah. Like this was like, you know, complete sancti- sanctification. 
And Charles Spurgeon says, so I picked up a picture of, wa picture of water and tipped it on his head. And it was incredible how quickly he lost his perfect sanctification. <laughs> like, oh just such a Spurgeon thing to do. But, uh, yeah, like, there's a difference between... I, I realize that the choice I made in this situation yeah. had this impact. And, like, that was wrong mm -hmm. and i should have chosen differently or yeah. with the information that i now have here's how i could have handled it better yeah or and i then need to go apologize to someone mm -hmm. and like then you actually have to do it um and living in the space of i'm a failure i'm a bad person mm -hmm. i'm a bad friend i'm a bad mom i'm a bad wife i'm a bad whoever mm -hmm. and consistently circling that as your identity oh yeah it seems like there's an identity piece there that's maybe the uh -huh. the difference. Yeah, I I actually think like we are the least likely people to be gracious with ourselves. Like one of my new favorite questions has been in different forms to people like, "How are you being gracious with yourself?" You asked me uh, that this morning. Yeah, 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 <laughs> absolutely, in a slightly different way. But like, because i think there's been parts of the church that have lived with this fear of like people are going to be too gracious with themselves mm -hmm. and yet like my feeling around that is have you ever met evangelical christians <laughs> right. like most of them are, are, are so ungracious with themselves yeah and with each other yeah but so so it's almost like god is more likely to be gracious with us than we are mm -hmm. other people are more likely to be gracious with us than we are yeah. Um, I, I had a moment not long ago where I was trying to help someone in a pastoral situation. I think it was a late afternoon. I think there was no one else around. I had some stuff to do. I was actually supposed to be in a meeting and, and tried to help and went into the next day feeling like oh, I really didn't do that well. Mm -hmm. Didn't give enough. Didn't take enough time, you know, and then then catching up with the person later and then being just like, oh, my goodness, you, thank you so much. You just went out of your way and did so much for me. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And I just feel so loved. Oh, good. And, and, and just having that moment of like, I spent at least two hours trying to avoid the self-recrimination <laughs> of like, I'm the worst pastor in the world. Mm. Um, feeling almost like that, that, um, that good Samaritan moment of like, no, I feel like I kind of like, I kind of crossed over the road for a second threw some bandages in their direction and then then dashed it off to a meeting yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and and feeling they didn't feel the same way and finding they didn't feel, feel the same way at all mm -hmm. so so i think that like realization that god is more likely to be gracious with us than we are other people are more likely to be gracious with us than we are were the ones that that are constantly self-defeating yeah uh, and so this invitation seems to be to to know come up and see things as God sees them, which is yeah, is far more that that world of grace, right? And that's like a a daily, or even like minute by minute, refocusing. Yeah, right? like it's not. I mean, maybe for some people, they have that beautiful moment of spirit filled clarity where it just changes their lens on everything for the rest yeah. of your life. I've just not met, met many of them. Right. I haven't had that experience yet. <laughs> <laughs> and and, I, and I, I, I remember to, to go back to C.S. Lewis in, in one of his letters to an American. He has these, this book called Letters to an American Lady. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
he writes to her that he feels like he's only met one or two Christians that truly live a holy life in God's, the center of God's love in his life. And yet if we just had 10% of followers of Jesus that truly embraced that, he said we'd change the world. Oh, together. Yeah. Um, so I think if, yeah, if you're, if you're maybe listening and you're like, my, my fear is like, I'm, I'm, I'm too gracious on yourself, on myself. If there's anyone that thinks that like, yeah, I would, I, yeah, I would, I would wonder if that's true of many people at all. Yeah. Um, and that to, to find your center in God's good grace seems to be this push of Romans. Um, and, and, and so this week we'll, we'll maybe like, I'm hoping to wrestle with the hard part of this text coming up. So if you're coming on Sunday, you can read in advance because it does seem to land on this like space of grace. Mm-hmm. And then Paul very confusingly in around verse 12 says, so if by the spirit you put to death the sins of the flesh, or the, the flesh, you will live, but if you don't, you will die. Feels like a bit, <laughs> bit of a turnaround. I'm like, I don't know yeah. what to do with that. So that's going to be an adventure. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so come on Sunday and hear more about that. Um, anything we want to add? Uh, I don't know. Feels like a good landing spot. Great. Unless you've got anything that comes to mind. Nope. I don't know. Nope. Well, guys, it's great to hang out with you for a while. Um, remember, like, subscribe, do all those different things. Uh, I believe Aaron will make his return next week, but who knows? And then I'm gone the week after. So you may be back listening again. I'm gone the week after too, actually. Yeah. So I might just so be Aaron. I just be Aaron. I'm sure he'll find someone. He has this way of yeah. just, you know, his uh, pulled on in. some people yeah. in different ways. So surprise guest in like two weeks (laughs) presumably have a great week everyone catch you later thanks bye-bye well thanks again for listening and we hope that that was a helpful conversation for you we'd love to interact with you about this so feel free to leave comments questions all that sort of thing and we'll try our best to get back to you when we can have a great day